Coaches, how are you? Hey, make sure to check out my friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. They were a main sponsor of my Legends Clinic last year, and I got to see in person why the Dr. Dish is undoubtedly the best shooting machine on the market. I'm super excited to get one in my program here soon. As a matter of fact, it's already in the process of being ordered. The technology and versatility of the machine are unmatched. Make sure to check out their product lineup and their new Dr. Dish CT machine on their website at drdishbasketball.com and follow them on Twitter and Instagram at drdishbball. Mention this podcast and you can save $300 extra on your next Dr. Dick, Dr. Dish purchase. Get one soon. This is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Mike Cleansing from Head Start Basketball and the Hoop Heads Podcast. You're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Coaches, this is Coach Kevin Furtado of the Championship Vision Podcast. I'd like to welcome you to episode 53. Today we have Coach Sharman White. He is the boys' head varsity basketball coach and associate director of athletics at Pace Academy in Georgia. White has been a high school coach for 20 seasons, 1996-97 to 2015-16, and he owns a career high school coaching record of 373 and 91. Eleven of those seasons, 2005-2006 to 2015-16, were as the head boys basketball coach and athletic director at Miller Grove High School in Lithonia, Georgia. At the helm of the Miller Grove, White went 268-60 record, including six straight state championships. The 2014 USA Today All-USA Coach of the Year, White guided Miller Grove to the 2009-2012 Georgia Class 4A titles and the 2013 and 2014 Georgia Class 5A championships. His final season at Miller Grove in 2015-16 was one of his most impressive as his team finished 31-3 and earning a bid to the Dix National Tournament. And he was named the 2016 National High School Coaches Association Coach of the Year. Prior to arriving at Miller Grove, White coached at Carver High School in Georgia. In his final season at Carver, he was named the 2004 Georgia Class 5 AA Coach of the Year at the Coach White left Miller Grove and spent two seasons as a Georgia State assistant coach, 2016-17 to 2017-18. White helped the team to a 44-24 record, including a 24-11 campaign and NCAA tournament appearance in 2017-18. Coach White serves as a court coach of the 2018 USA Basketball Men's U-17 World Cup training camp. He was a gold medal winning assistant coach for USA Basketball at the 2015 FIBA Americas U-16 Championship. And he has been a coach of the 2014 and 2015 USA Basketball Men's Junior National Team in October mini camps. Be prepared to take some notes as you listen to this great episode with Coach Sharman White from Cape Pace Academy in the state of Georgia. Coaches, let's welcome Coach Sharman White. Coach White, welcome to the Championship Vision Podcast. It's great to have you here.
Hi, Cody. Hey, Kevin. Good. How are you? I'm glad you connected, man. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, no problem at all. Yeah, it's sometimes it gets a little sticky in there when you're trying to hook up, but uh, great. We're having uh, Coach Sharman White with us. Uh, what a, what a privilege to be talking to you, Coach. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, thank you for having me. Glad to be able to do it. Absolutely, and I know you're a busy guy over there. I'm sure you got a lot of things going on. Hey, um, hey, I've listened to you quite a bit. Uh, I'm kind of a podcast. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and uh, I always enjoy hearing your story. Hey, can you tell us a little bit about really your passion for how you got into coaching? Because I think it's a great story for everybody to hear. Uh, when I was younger, I mean, you know, I, I love basketball and what have you. Uh, you know, I just always have had the uh, desire to kind of get, get a group together. And, you know, it could have been basketball, it could have been anything. And – take them somewhere they couldn't take themselves, I guess you can say. And, you know, thank God it was basketball that kind of led me into my purpose, which was, you know, to be able to help, mentor, get kids to where they wanted to be, you know, be a bridge. Uh, and I'm kind of just fulfilling a lot of purpose, you know, and, and I'm glad, it, you know, I'm definitely blessed that it's basketball. But that's how I kind of got going for me early on. And I just, it just continued to kind of like, you know, snowball effect into it, and I'm always just trying to uh, be what I'm supposed to be in it. You know, I don't try to get bigger than it. I just try to be what I'm supposed to be in it, and whatever that looks like, that, that's what I go with. Yeah, and your story's kind of neat, Coach, because um, I, I, I tell you what's amazing is your North Atlanta story, because I, I can kind of relate to that. Um, I had a principal leave when I got hired at, at one of the schools and then uh, took off, <laughs> took off right after that. Tell us the story about how you kind of got started. I think it was amazing how you went from North Atlanta to Carver and then built a, built a really solid program there. Yeah, I was, uh, I had just, you know, I had been, when I got graduated from college, I started coaching middle school, um, I was assistant coach at the middle school my first year out of college, and then the year after that year, the, the head coach who was there asked me, "Was I, you know, ready to take it over?" And of course, I said, "Yeah," even though I probably wasn't, but I said, "Yeah." And you know, I coached at at Bunch Middle School for six years, had a lot of success, uh, had some good players, but you know, mostly I got great experience. And so, all that while, I was an assistant coach at the the, the feeder high school, which was Thorough. And so I always wanted to, you know, graduate to that next level. And so the opportunity came. I was asked would I be interested in it, and I was brought in. I was interviewed. I was offered a job. I took the job. I started working out with the kids in the summer. I uh, worked out with them for, like, maybe a week. We had actually joined the summer league, and uh, we had played a couple games. Kids were excited about which way the program was going. I met with the parents. You know, asking me all the things like what you need, you know, and all these things, all these great things. So, you know, it was, a, it was gratifying, you know, to see that, okay, maybe I, I've gotten to a point now where I've graduated and now I'm, you know, ready to be on the next course where I want to be. And lo and behold, uh, I get a call. I, I went to go visit my best friend out in San Francisco uh, while I'm out there. And I get a call and it, somebody, one of my good friends back at home was saying, hey, you might want to check on, you know, make sure you're good with 
your position at uh, North Atlanta because I guess they were hearing some things or whatever. So, you know, I get back home, I check, and I talk with the principal who had just gotten hired, and that, was, that wasn't the principal that hired me. And so uh, she was like, yes, I'm going to, you know, place the coach who was let go back in place, and that's what we're going to do. <laughs> and it wasn't nothing that I basically could do. Um, and so it was, a, it, that was tough. Uh, because, you know, again, I thought I was, you know, on my way. And lo and behold, I get a call from the principal who was, who hired me at North Atlanta. They had placed him at Carver, which was a totally different atmosphere, totally just like basically, you know, it was like they were the whipping stick or the, the stepchild of the, of the system as far as, you know, basketball went after being a powerhouse back in the 60s. Uh, but he called me and said, hey, I don't have that job. I, I don't, you know, I'm sorry about the North Atlanta thing, but I got, you know, a basketball position here. You're more than welcome to it, you know. And so I said, well, give me a couple of days to think about it. And because I, I really wasn't feeling it, I wasn't excited about it because I knew I, where I was going, it was going to be a lot, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't going to have the resources that I was, that I was originally going to have with North Atlanta. And so, uh, you know, talking to a couple of my mentors, and it's like everybody was saying, hey, this could be a great opportunity because you'll have your first experience coaching high school. You can go and you can, you know, learn and you can do all these things. You can, And so at their kind of like advice and, you know, their input, I thought about it. And then I said, you know, maybe this is the way kind of God designed it, you know, for me to go to a place like this and cut my teeth and, and learn and try to, you know, bring this program up to a status where – people respect it and basically you know I, I did it I took on the challenge and, and that's what I did you know we, we brought the program back to a championship status in, in, in a short time I mean we uh we went from you know the year before I got there and, and even before that they had won like three games and we went we got within two games of winning the state championship uh, my first year there and our record was 11 and 17 but we were in the elite eight and you know, it was a matter of those kids just buying in uh, to what it was that I was trying to do as far as, you know, culturally speaking. And it was great. And then the, the next year we were really good. And then the final year I was there, we lost in the state championship game uh, to a very good Randolph Clay team that had, you know, they had, they had a history, rich history of winning state championships at that time. And so, uh, again, it, it was a great experience for me. I don't look back on it negatively at all I think you know it wasn't fun to go from one extreme to the next you know when you say from North Atlanta to Carver but at the same time uh it made good for my story it made good for my training it made good for my coaching career yeah and I bet North Atlanta yeah and I I would assume North Atlanta right now is kind of going man we made a bad mistake (laughs) Uh, because I you know I know all those schools out there um but uh, that that gave you an edge, didn't it, Coach? Did that did that did that early on help? Like now and so far? I mean, that made you that made you grind it out and get tougher, right? As a coach, you learn right away. No doubt, no doubt, man. And uh, you know, it was it was one of those situations because I always describe Carver and Miller Grove. Well, Carver, I had to inherit, you know, the culture and then change it. Well, you know, and, and that wasn't 
the easiest thing to do. But, again, I had kids who were willing to be coached, who were excited about just the change. Sometimes that's all we need is change. And they were excited about the change. And so it, it worked out really, really well in that aspect. Because when I got to Miller Grove, it was a brand-new school. So the culture was set the day I walked in the way I, I wanted it to be set. So it wasn't no needing to change the culture because everybody that walked through that door would know what the culture was based on the fact that it was a new school and the culture was set from day one. And so, yeah, it does, you know, it gave me a little bit of tip, but it also taught me, you know, how, you know, nothing's guaranteed and, you know, life is full of adjustments. And that's what I had to do. I had to make an adjustment. And, you know, like I say, it worked yeah, out absolutely. good. absolutely. And, and what's interesting about your story, Coach, is um, – is you are now coaching private. You've been in struggling public schools with Carver, kind of rebuilding that, and then you a brand new that, and now you're coming from the college level, and you're coaching USA basketball. You've pretty much done it in and middle school. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's that. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 you know, that little orange basketball that costs about $20, it, it'll do those type of things for you, man. It'll give you opportunities you never thought you would have, especially for me in this coaching realm. You know, I just kept working. I just kept, you know, trying to be the best coach I could be. Um, you know, I remember going to Nike clinics uh, back in the day when I first got my first coaching gig in the middle school. I remember going to University of Kentucky. They had a coaching clinic. Tubby Smith was the coach at the time. But I just remember going to those things, and I remember walking away from them saying, you know, hey, I'm going to be doing that. I'll be doing that one day. I'll be up there speaking, and people will be listening to me talk. And, you know, it was that kind of drive and that kind of, you know, uh, determination that, that kind of just kept me going. And, you know, again, wanting to win and wanting to be successful and wanting kids to go to school and continue their education and all those things kind of rolled up into one. And I'll, I'll be the first to say it, it, it was, you know, because I, I hear this all the time, but I do really believe it. Coaches get so much credit when you win and, you know, <laughs> not enough credit when they lose. Uh, I, I just believe that in this case because the players that I've been able to coach has been phenomenal. Um, they've been great people. Um, and they've always uh, helped me in high regards as far as respect and, and respecting my position as a coach. So, all those things, man, you know, they all come together. They all work for you to be successful. And you need, like I say, you need those little times where you got to adjust. You got to, you know, figure out what you're going to do next and, and all that stuff. You got to figure all that out. But those things, you know, again, they make you who you yeah, are. I think, uh, I think, Coach, that, that yeah, coaches that can coach at any level, that Matter of fact, a friend of mine, Gene Durden at Buford, I think Gene's right now for Buford. He has a lot of talent. Everybody says, well, you know, they're just loaded with talent. But Gene can probably take a middle school girls team that can't dribble and pass and make them better. I think you – can't you relate to that? I mean, I think we get overrated with talent. There's a lot of coaches that can't coach a talented team, right? Absolutely. I agree totally. And I do agree with you with Gene. I think Gene could probably, 
he could probably coach a, you know, he could probably take a, a, a group of hockey players and make them into a championship team. I mean, that's just the kind of coach he is. But, um, you know, again, it's so much more to it. You know, like you've got to have players. I do feel like you've got to, you know, be able to have, fortunate enough to have some players. But to be able to uh, position them in, in, a, in a way where they understand that it's a team sport and that it's one goal and those things that, that, that kind of ride around that, I think it takes another level of knowing and another level of being to be able to do that. And so, um, again, I like to think that, you know, just taking what you have and, and, and making sure that you can cultivate it and just make them understand the importance of what you're trying to do. I think that's what it's all about. At the yes, end of the day. and I want to talk about what you're doing at Pace. And I, I'll be honest with you, I – uh, I used to coach in Galloway back in the old. I've been coaching a long time, coach, and I remember coaching. And Pace had the most beautiful facilities. Yeah, I think they still probably do. What a beautiful school y'all have out there! What do you think about Pace? Oh man, Pace is a great place. Uh, you know, when I was at Carver, Pace was in our region, and it was you know it was a tough place to play because you know they have such a great following and. You know, it's such a great atmosphere. And so um, being at Pace every day and meeting the people and being around the people, the students, the faculty, the administration, uh, you see why it was such a tough place to play at, you know, uh, you know, when we used to come in there and have to play. And, you know, I think what's so special about Pace is the people of Pace. I think, you know, it's a genuine uh group of people that, that care about, you know, people. And so at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I couldn't be more ecstatic to be here. Uh, I think we got great leadership with our headmaster, Fred Asaf, and athletic director, you know, Troy Baker. Uh, you know, this is a program that will always be in the, in, the, in, the, in the thick of things when it comes down to just being the best. And that could be academically as well as athletic. Yeah, I think it's a great fit. That was a great hire getting you, by the way. I, I was telling our boys coach, Michael Brooker, um, Michael played at North Carolina, and we were talking about you the other day, saying what a great fit, and because uh, I know you're going to do a great job there. Tell me how you're building that program, because the coaches that listen to me, um, I try to get coaches on to kind of teach our coaches how to build a program. How are you building your, your culture there at your school? Well, I know this is probably like the hottest word in coaching right now, uh, but when you talk about culture and you're talking about how you want to be, you know, um, as a program, uh, I think those are things that you have to go in first. You have to establish, you know, who you want to be uh, and what you want to be as a program. I mean, and that can go as far as saying, you know, we want to be a high-achieving team, but we also want to be a high-academic team. We want to be – a team that reflects high character. We want to be a team that reflects service. That we want to be a team that reflects community. And so, you have to have those things as staples and, and, and blocks to be able to. But not only you need to know that, and not only your staff needs to know that, but your players need to know that, and your parents of your players need to know that. And when you're building, you know, again, like. When I was at Miller Grove, again, it was a brand-new school. So everything we did was new and it was fresh and it was, you know. But, again, I never um, 
wanted the people that were involved, meaning the players and the parents, and not to know what exactly we were doing and what we wanted and what we were trying to establish. I think goal setting is big, but I think you got to get to a point where you're not just setting goals. you got to start going after them, and you got to check them off. And so those are the things that, you know, when I got the pace, I wanted to make sure, because I, I think they were their program was in, you know, solid shape. I don't think it was in a bad shape or anything like that, but I think I was brought in to try to take it to another level. And, you know, so kind of resetting the culture and kind of resetting what we were as a program, it was part of my job. And so that's what I, you know, that's what I'm going out to do every day. Um, and so it's been, it's been great, but again, just you want to be able to establish what it is that you want, and you got to get everybody to see that vision. Yeah, and uh, I was talking with uh, a friend of yours, Don Showalter, the other day. Uh, hey, you can't be this. You talk to Don Showalter, then Charmin White. You can't get any better than that, Coach. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. just writing down so many notes, but he was talking about how he does, like, parent meetings during the season. You connect, you stay in touch with the parents. How do you stay in touch with the parents because we all know parents are about their kid. How do you get them to kind of combine in the, um, the team culture? Well, I tell you this, man. Um, I think the biggest thing, and I tell a lot of young coaches with this, when you start talking about parents, you got to talk communication. Uh, you, you have to communicate to them. You have to have an open line of communication because, again, uh, and this is one of you know one of the things me and Doug we've talked about, and he's expressed it to me, and he said it to me several on several times. You know, you know what they see is their kid, and what you see is a player. You know, and so a parent is going to look at the situation, and they're going to see their kid, but you as the coach, you see a player because you can't be locked into just one kid. But I do feel like again, you have to. Information, communication is the key with parents because it might not be, uh, you know, that don't mean it's going to be all roses every time, but if you're clear and you're, you know, with your information and you're being very communicative about it, you're going to, you know, you're going to get the respect of your parents. And so I, I always try to make sure that that's done. And yeah, we have out of season, you know, meetings with our parents, but we also try to have. Uh, meetings in season, let them know what's coming up. You know, I'm sending emails and texts out every day to my parents, you know, and letting them know, you know, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we got. This is what we're trying to do next. And uh, I think they appreciate that. You know, I, I've got a lot of parents that really appreciate just the, the, the amount of information that comes forth in the communication. So even if, you know, Johnny is having a rough time on the court, and they want to come in and talk about it. Let's talk about it. But let's bring in Johnny with us so he can be a part of this conversation so we can make sure we're getting, you know, everything we need to get out of it. And so, like I say, uh, I think that's a big part. A lot of young coaches, I think they get nervous or they get worried about parental stuff. And, again, there are going to be some times where they, you might not see eye to eye, but I think the most important thing is respect and communication when it comes to that. Yes, and you're saying they're not going to always agree with you, but – at least they feel like they can come to you, right? Exactly. I think that's most important. I don't. I don't think you know. It, it's, it's when they walk away, they felt like they had a chance to voice their concerns, and you listened, 
And I, I'll say that again. You listen, and then you were able to kind of voice your concerns or voice what you thought. And at the end of the day, you know, hopefully it, it's all good for the kid, and usually it is. I haven't had many situations with, where it wasn't. But I think just the respect level between each party is, is so big in the maturation of the kid as well as the development for that kid. Absolutely. Coach, you talked about service. Um, we're big on that here. I, I'm at a, I'm at a charter school in uh, Greensboro. We're out in the middle of nowhere, but we have a beautiful charter school out here uh, down I-20. Um, we do, a, we like to do a lot of service projects, things like that. How do you get your players to serve the community? What do they do? Uh, we did something this year that was uh, new to me. I, you know, I, I asked my parents to, you know, help, you know, let's, let's find some things to do in the community. But we did a coat drive this year for the homeless. And we did it at our school. And so what we did was we stood out. Now, we had all our programs, you know, from our uh, varsity to JVs to middle schools. We had them, you know, stand out. Uh, we had, you know, where kids get dropped off at every day. Uh, and we put out signs prior to, and we collected coats uh, for the shelter. And, man, they said they hadn't, they hadn't gotten, a, you know, that amount of coats ever, you know, um, as far as collecting go. And so just the aspect of doing that and knowing it's for someone else, um, was so tremendous for our guys. I think it did more for our guys than it did for the people that received the coats. And I know that doesn't sound theoretically correct, but, you know, our guys understood that the, you know, what that meant, what that service part of it meant, standing out in the rain, you know, collecting coats every morning before school. I mean, literally standing out, you know, taking coats, putting them in boxes, you know, parents boxing them up, delivering them to the shelters, um, it was just, it was tremendous. This upcoming year, I know many a home with, uh, Samaritan feet, and we're going to do a project together this year, and we're going to give shoes to, you know, kids that need shoes. And so I think that's a big aspect because you're teaching them character. You're teaching them about just how it's bigger than you. You know, this basketball thing is just, it's a vehicle. It's a, you know, it's a tool, and sometimes it's just what it is. But we can use it for so many other things and teaching life skills. Yeah, and there's a big difference between giving yeah. and getting, right, Coach? That That's a major message you're allowing your kids to get. Uh, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, that's great, man. I, I'm actually going to steal one of those. I, I love how – I love the – I love how it's, it's so simple, but I don't think enough of us do that in our programs. I love that. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to steal that one from you this year, if you don't mind. Uh, don't be offended by if I steal some stuff from you. Yeah, go. No, man, come on. This is we just all trade information. <laughs> Coach, tell me about um, the one great thing that I I love about well, my school is that we're K-12. Yours is K-12 too. You have access to all these kids. How do you develop your feeder program there? Well, this is my first year, so, you know, again, I'm just trying to get myself acclimated. But, you know, a lot of our kids play in the Northwest Youth Organization, NYO, which is a popular league around this area. 
And so I'm always at those gyms just watching some of our kids, younger grade-level kids, like some of our fourth, fifth graders. You know, the middle schools are actually, we're actively involved with them because they're on campus with us, and, they're, you know, they have an organized team there. But I try to make sure that we do different, you know, uh, things with the younger groups too. Next year we're going to go to, or we're going to do some kind of like some USA basketball type training camps uh, with some of our younger kids on Sundays just to kind of like get them exposed to some of the things we do and just trying to, you know, make that contact, which is probably more important than even the basketball aspect of it. Yeah, tell me about the USA uh, training camps. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, I know you're heavily involved in that and you're one of the coaches. Uh, do you bring people on your campus or do you run it? How do you all do that? Well, I mean, Don and a, and a, a select few of people that work with USAB, they go around and they, you know, they watch kids and they, you know, find the best players, you know, that they feel like going to represent the country. And they don't just look for guys with a whole bunch of talent. They look for guys with a whole bunch of character too. And uh, they, you know, we, we bring them in. We, we do – you know, training camps with them. We do mini camps, and we kind of find out who's the guys that we want to see can, you know, be a part of whether it's a 16 and under uh, FIBA championships or whether it's for the 17 and under world championships. Uh, you know, and we, we find that, that select group of 12 guys that, that, that has done that, and Don has been phenomenal with that. And, you know, at 10 years, he's been 10 years and 10 gold medals. And so, uh it's a great process. The culture of USA basketball, I tell people all the time, is probably the best culture in basketball. I think I mean, when you got pros that could easily say, "Hey, I, you know, I'm making I'm making all this money. I don't have time to be sitting around during my summer when it's my downtime to come play basketball." You know, when they're chomping at the bit to be a part of USA basketball, uh, I'm talking about the James Hardens of the world, the LeBron James and Kevin Durant of the world. Uh, that's telling you something about their culture yeah it definitely it, it definitely helped them in their branding right i mean it definitely helped because the usa basketball just has a this has such a positive connotation to it uh, that's what i see what, what do you see from within i see uh a lot of guys that are passionate about uh basketball passionate about making sure the United States stays at the top of basketball in the world. I see guys that are passionate about uh, kids becoming better people, being good citizens of this great country of ours, and just the commitment to, you know, the whole process. Because it's not like it's a, uh, it's not like it's a paying job. You're just serving your country, but you're just not on the – you're not necessarily – in the battlefields, you're doing it on the basketball court, which I think is, is neat for guys like me, you know, who get that opportunity. Yeah, and tell me about your training with uh, USA because Coach Showalter, I actually, I actually use a lot of his drills, uh, skill development drills, and he says he uses all these basic drills with all his teams. Why, you know, tell, tell, kind of tell the listeners why it's so important for even the top players to do the fundamental drills, which makes it even more important for players at our level to do the drills. I think it's important because it's all part of the fundamental process of basketball. I think, 
you know, it's amazing. You know, we, we do a lot of the stuff that the, the national team does with the junior national team, but it's not no rocket science type of stuff. It's just stuff that makes you a good basketball player. And those guys are just professionals, and they make it look so easy. But still, those fundamentals have to be honed in on uh, constantly just, you know, for that purpose. And it's amazing how, you know, when, when you look at, when you know, you get a chance to sit in on some of their practices and how relative and how similar they are to what, you know, you just got. The, the, the only difference is these guys are world-class athletes, and they are, like you say, they're professionals. So, um, it's, I mean, I think that the whole process of it is about just developing the complete basketball player, whether they are 16-year-olds trying to make the junior national team or whether it's a, a five-year NBA veteran who wants to compete for a gold medal. Yeah, and don't you think as far as basketball development in our country that are we neglecting the foundational skills, the skill development rather than the games? I mean, tell me tell me kind of the I, – I hear coaches all the time talk about this. Are we doing enough in the summer? For example, what are you doing with Pace Academy – during the summer, are you doing skill development, or are your guys in a lot of, you know, travel teams and so forth? How are you kind of mixing the two? Well, in June, I mean, I think June is kind of like designated as quote unquote the high school month. Well, and with our team, we'll you know we'll spend we'll practice and do skill development, player development, uh, but we also play a few games. We'll we'll participate in, in, you know, a couple team camps. But we won't play in a, an abundance of games. We will do an abundance of training, an abundance of practicing just to kind of make sure because that's the month we really use to build our team toward, you know, the next season. Um, I think we, we like to think of the spring as a way of kind of building the individual because you can't really do as much in June. You can practice with your whole team. You can, you know, you can do a, a lot of different things where it focuses on the team. But, um I like to think that, you know, we want to have a balance of, you know, player development, practicing, and playing because we feel like we're just playing. You know, we don't want to just be playing without those two things being, um, you know, emphasized as far as player development, skill development. But then we don't want to be just focused on player development, skill development, and don't get a chance to actually put some of those things into play in a live setting. So, we kind of try to find a balance where we play 15, maybe 15 to 18 games over the summer or in that month of June and spread it out, of course. And uh, we try to practice three to four times a week with skill development and still doing a little bit of strength training within that. So we try to give them a little snapshot of what it will look like, you know, during the course of a season, but we're not, not the workload because we're not trying to burn them out because the next month, which is July, which is a big-time – AAU month, and we already know they're probably going to be playing you know, a boatload of games. And, we, you know, we just try – I just try to manage it. I just try to do a, try to do some, you know, management with it and just use the – you know, use, just use uh, the other side of, you know, just doing the things that I feel like are necessary. Yeah, and, Coach, how do you devise uh, – because I always try to ask coaches on what they do in the offseason. Um, I think everybody does things a little differently. Um, I got a kid out here who will – um, she's really good. She's a really good player. I'm very lucky to have her. Um, she does. I do a lot of individual training with her, but I also do. Um, I like her to have do a lot of one-on-one training where 
I, I can't just teach one on zero. She needs to have a defender that's actually better than her to go on against her. What do you feel about that? I, I just, I don't know how much you can learn one on zero. How do you teach your kids like individual skills? I mean, basically just, you know, I, 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 can't, I try to cater workouts, you know, to what it is that, you know, if, it, if it's about the numbers, meaning like if it's one kid or if it's two kids, but I try to prepare a workout that's going to make them better. I think I don't, no matter the number, I mean, I can make a, a workout for a kid. If I'm just working out one kid, like a lot of times, one of my players I used to coach at Miller Grove now at UCA, Altarie Gilbert, um, he would come in and, and I'll work him out and it's just a one player workout and I'll just try to make sure he gets up a lot of shots and you know with him playing the point guard position working on his you know change of directions and, and, and combination moves and, and, and you know separation creating separation but you know again you just build it according to what you know if you got one kid you got two kids you know you just kind of I just kind of build it based on that you know but it's not nothing that you know again they can get better they definitely can get better with a one-on-one workout, meaning, you know, one coach and one player. But, you know, preferably you like to have other, you know, bodies available so it can give, you know, the person a, a, a breather from time to time if you're doing a, a particular set or rep or something. But, you know, if you just got one kid, you know, I've, I've done plenty of one-man sure. workouts. And, and, and I think you can get you can get better with those just as well. If you yeah, absolutely. Right <laughs> yeah, and yeah, the – uh, the shoot away, the Dr. Dish are great things. I love the Dr. Dish machine. I, what what a what advantage to have those. Um, hey, tell me about – you had a really good year last year. You had a second-place finish in your region behind Cedar Grove. You had a tough loss to Hart County, who went on to be the state runner-up. Tell, tell us about your team coming up this year. What do you think? What are some of your goals? Uh, our goal every year, while I'm at this, while I'm at pace, is to be the best team we can be, which means we want to be the best team. And so, um, you know, it, it, the goals won't change there. Uh, we do want to improve uh, in, in some areas as far as just you know detail oriented. But you know, again, we're we're trying to win a state championship. We're trying to you know win the school's third one and. The only way we can do that is by doing the things we're doing now and what we'll do this summer. But uh, our expectations will not change as long as I'm there. We, we want to be competing for a state championship every year. Uh, you know, we caught tough breaks this year. We, 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 we lost our leading scorer and rebounder. Um, we, we lost him in December, and we didn't get him back. And we had to adjust, but we did. And we, we still were able to make, you know, a really good run at it. And, you know, again, uh, we were one or two plays away from uh, you know, winning a region championship against Cedar Grove. We were one or two plays away from beating Hart County and advancing on in the state playoffs. And as you can see, uh, they took fully advantage of that and went all the way to the state championship. So we kind of saw ourselves doing that, uh, but they just executed our game plan and we did it. Yeah, and I hope, of course, we, we live right near uh, next to Morgan County, so I'm hoping you guys – Hopefully you guys can beat them next year. <laughs> uh, they have a dominant program. I, I don't. Um, they're in it every year. Um, I mean, what do you think about Morgan County? I mean, they, they were, they're pretty much solid in every position. How do you compete against a team like that? Uh, I mean, they're going to have athletes. They're going to have good players, and they do. And, and, and Coach Sims does a good job with them. 
uh, you just got to prepare and try to take away some things they want to do or, you know, try to do some things they don't expect you to do. And, you know, you just got to lay it all out. And uh, that's, you know, that's a matter of just trying to figure it out. I don't think you have a, it's a formula. I don't think it's no kind of magic pill you can take to say this is what we're going to do to beat them. But I think, you know, again, you got to try to, you know, create some situations for them, you know, just as they're going to try to create something for you. It's a team that can make adjustments to those situations that will be able to, uh, you know, prevail more than likely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you won six straight yeah. state cha- championships because you know what it is to go through a tournament and win consistently. What are some keys? Tell, help us out. What are some things to get your teams in a state tournament not to focus on the one-and-done pressure? What, 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 how do you do that with your teams at Miller Grove? I mean, with the guys at Miller Grove, I think after winning the first one, it was a built-in pressure because they always wanted that feeling of winning another state championship. So it was a built-in pressure, not just from the time the state playoffs started, but from the time the first game started of the season, you know. And so when you, you know, it's to win, uh, one, I think, takes talent, but to repeat, it takes character. And so those kids had a lot of character about, you know, trying to be, um, the best team at the end of the day. And so, again, that's part of that culture. That's part of what you build. That's part of what your expectations are, part of what your goals are. And if they, if, the, if those teams understand that, the players understand that, that makes for, you know, uh, a situation where they'll be able to compete and be able to uh, play their hearts out, you know, to try to make that happen. I don't mean to cut off how much longer you got because I got to jump. No into problem, coach. Hey, coach, I sure appreciate you taking the time out, man. You're a, you're a credit to our profession. I appreciate you taking the time out, coach. And um, thanks again for sharing with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Man, you're more than welcome. I'm sorry, but I had a three o'clock, and I was thinking, okay, maybe from two to three here, and then I, you know, because I was riding yeah, on my way sure. to a meeting. And so I got this. I'm sitting out here in the car. I got to go, got to jump in. I don't want to be late to it. Coach, thanks for joining us, man. I sure appreciate it. And um, I wish you the best kind of building that great program at base. Thanks for for coming on. No doubt, Kevin. If there's any other time you need me to help you out, just let me know. Thank you. All right, buddy. Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in.